our first rescue operation was in Myanmar on the border of Myanmar and China. I didn't know anything about anti-human drive. I just, I knew people were bad. I didn't know this, the depths of the depravity of man's heart. And we, we were told that there were two truck loads full of girls on the border of Myanmar and China and they were screaming out for help. And the bad guys went into the cantina right there or the cafe to get drunk. And so we had three, about three hours to get these girls out. In 2016, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children estimated that one in six endangered runaways reported to them were likely sex trafficking victims. Globally, the International Labor Organization estimates there are 4.5 million people trapped in forced sexual exploitation. The Department of State lists the top three states with the most human trafficking activity, which are California, New York, and Texas, California Against Slavery reported that three of the ten worst sex trafficking areas in the United States are in California, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and San Diego. Welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Hi, I'm Byron Tyler. Sadly enough, you'll discover today that our area in West Tennessee is also a highly resourced area for sex trafficking, as it is around the world. But we welcome to the microphone today from Express Mission International, the president A.C. Curtis. A.C., good to have you back on Mid-South Viewpoint. Great to be here. Bringing humanitarian relief and the gospel to those most desperate in the most effective, efficient, and expedient way. That's what you guys are all about at EMI. Yes, sir. That's our our passion. That's our directive and our mission. I think it's worth mentioning that your ministry is located in our local area, but you have an international outreach of Mm -hmm. helping those trapped, taking captive by human trafficking. That's true, and our, our directive from the Lord was to find the case that we did not know, to look for indigenous missionaries around the world that were doing something about rescuing young ladies or girls from the world of sex, exploitation, abuse, assault, or trafficking. And to jump into that, we, we started years ago, but to jump into that was an eye-opener. We had no idea of the scope the ramifications of it, and how many victims were trapped in it. And it's tied to some pretty powerful religious groups and organizations, and it's just amazing when you start looking, as you say, you start pulling back the sheets, if you will, uncovering what's there, and it is so horrible to think about. We want to talk about the victory, of course, in the power of Christ, because the gospel is center for what you're doing to help these folks. Absolutely. And and we go in and we identify Christian indigenous missionaries around the world. And their focus is internationally always focused on the most desperate, the, the least among them. And they go out and do this work. And so we go and we lift up their arms and their peasant farmers, indigenous missionaries that don't have much. We go and we resource them and we help them. And they pull off some amazing rescues they pull off amazing support but all of it is done with the end goal in mind that once a young lady or girl is reached then she's rescued and then ultimately she's restored and redeemed to christ and so many of these girls are giving their life to christ ac now is the concentration pretty much with emi outside the u.s or are you involved in cases and work here in the u.s too well we're involved now uh here as well we actually help create mid-south Abolition Task Force, which works uh, connecting with local law enforcement. Our basic goal is to support and help law enforcement do what they do best, whether we can provide intelligence or 
analysis or just help them in some way to help uncover and rescue these girls locally. What are some of the types I see of human trafficking that EMI see and seek to eliminate? Wow. Uh, well, there's internationally, there's all kinds of traffic from labor trafficking to, um, believe it or not, organ harvesting. I just discovered that when I was on mm-hmm. a website connected to your ministry, and I could not believe that. Yeah, uh, it's very lucrative for many of the uh, groups out there that try to make as much money off of every opportunity. And they do. They harvest organs of little children. They move those organs to sell on the black market all around the world. It's very, very lucrative, but also labor with young men and women. that are Just like in the 1700s and 1800s, the slave trade today, the work slave trade, labor slave trade, is greater than it's ever been in scope and magnitude, where more people are enslaved today than in all of centuries put together. So that labor aspect, but then the insidious sexual slavery is, there's really 21 million at least girls that are exploited for sex uh, and trafficked around the world. I met several years ago Gary Hogden. I sat down with him on this show. He is the founder and president of International Justice Mission. Yeah. He was telling me, of course, his organization, I'm sure you're very familiar with, yeah. does similar around the world. And he shared some videos with me of them helping to set young girls free from these brothels, underground yeah. brothels in India that you wouldn't even know existed. Right. And we were in India recently, and we discovered a brothel. Um, I won't tell you the place. but And there were little children, the, the, the women who were the prostitutes had children sleeping right next to them while they were conducting their sexual business. Well, our passion was to go into the brothel and buy those little girls and little children away from that world. And we were successful to do some, to convince the mom, please sell your daughter to us and we will take care of her. And then we transported those children that we were able to purchase from their moms to a a secure location very far away from where they were. This is incredible, AC. I mean, you literally went into an area where this activity was going on and bought children from their moms. They were willing to sell their kids to you. Wow. (laughs) You'd be surprised what they're willing to sell their children overseas for. In fact, one year we we bought 3,559 little girls, all for $50 or less. That was 2011. And the good news of that, much good news is, all 3,559 received Christ, by the way. All these children and our... It's okay. <laughs> That's what it's all about, man. Those are tears of joy. Those are tears yeah. that Jesus puts on your heart for the compassion. You can't deny that. And just think about the new hope and the sense of dignity and value that you have helped put in those over 3,000 lives. You change their trajectory for a new course of life. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And now many of them are going, are growing up in a Christian safe house slash orphanage, all run by Christians, all everything facilitated and much facilitated through our giving. And now they're growing up to go back into the places that they were and, and reach them. Without getting too specific, because we're trying to be careful here with the sensitivity of what we're mm-hmm. talking about. How do you typically confront those operating a human trafficking ring? I mean, you just mentioned going into a brothel in proposing to buy children back from their moms to help get them out of that situation. But I got to imagine that this is a very dangerous type of business that you're in. This is, as you mentioned, a very lucrative business. If you're trying to help take 
women and children that are caught in it as a sex trafficking venture, those who are operating that cannot like you. You're trying to put them out of business. Well, we are, but uh, again, due to the sensitivity, the long and short of it is the ones that I mentioned earlier with where we bought purchase them from their parents is easy in the sense that we just come up with the money that's better than the bad guys are willing to pay. But when we face down the, the very dangerous elements out there that are controlling it and very lucrative business to them, it is a lot more dangerous. We rarely ever try to confront uh, face-to-face any of the bad guys. We try to work with whatever sources we have that can get the ladies or girls out in other ways. Well, AC, I could see these ladies that you buy their children from thinking, well, my goodness, I just made $50. Maybe I could just start selling my kids. I mean, how do you reach the women or can you reach the women who are selling these children to you? Yeah, absolutely. And that's another aspect of the indigenous missionaries uh, work that they do is they really permeate an area, saturate it with the gospel and go back in and reach the families. Um, and in some rare cases, the families get their daughters back after they've received Christ and they're doing well and they're not leaning or living off of 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 every uh, whim that comes their way because these people are so poor and so hopeless and helpless in so many situations. They don't see any other way out until our missionaries come in Give them the gospel, give them some help, and they stand on their two feet, and then they're able to get their children back and because their children are, are just in orphanages and, and being raised by our Christian, our Christian missionaries. Now, over here, it, it's, it's a lot different. We're, again, working with law enforcement. Our goal is to support law enforcement as they get ladies out. Right now, we're only working to get ladies out, um, but when we ever start getting the chance to work and get minors out everything will be done through dhs and cps and and we'll work uh, hopefully with them to support them and what they're trying to do to to get the girls out through law enforcement and then place them in good good solid christian foster homes well you mentioned poverty is probably the main reason that internationally many, yeah. internationally that many of these you know women are engaging in this activity uh could you help us understand some of the conditions that victims being trafficked find themselves in? Of course, poverty, but help us understand their conditions. Well, let me give it to you from the the, the, the eyes of a little girl. She grows, grows up most of her life. She's in about 10 or 11 years old. Her whole worth is is basically her beauty and her ability to work around the house, to do menial labor around the house and the house is maybe a five foot by 10 foot clay mud structure out in the jungles or in the desert. So she goes and does all this. Well, then an opportunity comes along from a slick speaking, talking factory owner, owner, quote unquote, who is, is basically a trafficker. And the family sees that this girl could have a better opportunity in their mind And the girl, even though she knows she's going to be giving up her freedom and her family, she's willing to go do that for her family. Because the worldview over there says, you do for us, not we do for you. But by the time she finds out she's in a world that she can't get ever ever get out of, it's just too late. And then she endures. They put drugs in her. I can't even tell you on this radio that we're a family show, right? The the horrific things they do to these young girls, physically abusing and uh, sexually abusing them over and over until they're the soul of the girl 
is gone by the time she's 12, 13, 14. And by the time she's 16, 17, she's old. And now they just try to shove her toward, put her in the adult prostitution world. But even if she survives to that point, then she's just a beggar on the streets of some foreign city she's found herself in or married to an imam, an 80-year-old imam, or part of a, a Saudi Arabian sheik's harem. And her life is over. It's just over until someone says, nope, it's not over because Jesus sent us to rescue you. Yes. And that is where we come in. And many of these young girls fall victims to world travelers. I mean, it's not just those in their country. There are those in the U.S. that look for opportunities to travel to these places to indulge in their Mm. sinful ways, you know? Yeah, I was in Thailand recently, Byron, and I, I was shocked in this one city of Thailand of the number of uh, white grandpas that were there go walking hand in hand with underage Thai girls. And it was so sickening to my soul. I came back and, and it still has me shaking because of this horrific, you know, these are grandfathers <laughs> that should be taking care of their grandchildren, not going to Thailand and indulging in these horrific things. Yes, And some of them even went there and now opened brothels. Because they went there and they won't come back. Sex is what they live for. The heart is deceitfully yes, wicked above all. Who can understand it? That's oh, what yes, God's sir. word says. Now, there are reports that Islamic terrorist groups are connected to human trafficking in parts of Africa and also throughout the Middle East. Many of them use this to be able to buy arms to strengthen their military forces. Yeah, and we can't get much into detail there, but most people know on the global news front that that Islamic terrorists are using everything they can to feel their jihad or their caliphate soon to come caliphate in their mind and our personal jihad. But yeah, if it gives them more money, if it gives them more leverage or power, and it's infidel girls. Remember, it's not Muslim girls, so they can do anything they want to a little infidel or non-Muslim girl. I also saw pictures on your website of little children, boys and girls, can't be older than eight or nine years old, maybe younger, were in forced labor brick camps making mm. bricks. This is a reality. Yes, sir. And, and one of the things we do every month is we rescue little children from Muslim masters. What happens is if a Christian colony, and, and like these countries who work, the Christians are all uh, put in colonies because they're the minorities. Well, if a Muslim decries blasphemy, the Christian has to come to court and is guilty to proven innocent. So to show benevolence on the their part, they say, well, instead of killing them, let's just make them my slave, their whole family. So the man and the woman and all the children become slaves to the Muslim master. Well, it doesn't matter how old their children are. They have to work in the brickyards all day long. Well, we go in and pay that debt for the family and release the entire family, including the little children. Typically, how much are you talking about to pay that debt? Well, it depends on it. Sometimes it's thirteen hundred to fourteen hundred dollars, and sometimes it's two, three thousand. Uh, depends on what the the Muslim magistrate put on that family. We pay it all, and we pay off their debt, and they come home and they start a new life. Let's talk about the rehab and the debriefing that you would have to provide victims of being sex trafficked, because this can be a lifelong battle, emotional health, and sometimes physical health, too. Thankfully, you have the power of Jesus and the gospel that transforms. So where do you begin? 
Well, we also realize that there's a thing called PTSD. There's all kinds of psychological warfare as well. I really firmly believe in spiritual warfare and physical, but there is psychological. And so many of these victims deal for many, many years with strong PTSD. And what we do is we come in and have strong restoration programs that help them get through the years of healing that it takes. Stacey, what are some of the challenges in helping rebuild the dignity and esteem of the individuals that you help? That's got to be tough. Well, it kind of depends on the scenario, but what we find is um, there's a thing called Stockholm Syndrome that we find in most of the girls that are in this area that we don't find internationally with the little children. But if you get a a woman that's been uh, in the the world for a while, she develops just a bond and a tie to her trafficker through fear, manipulation, exploitation, and abuse. And then he becomes everything to her that she goes back to him so many times. With our counseling after the rescue, we try to overcome that. Not always successful. Sometimes the the girls or the ladies end up going back. Now, internationally, the the poverty-stricken nations we work with, most of those young girls, they go back to their families, and there's never an issue there, but we deal with the PTSD um, issues there. I want to take it back home a second because I don't want this to be seen like it's just something so far away. As I mentioned, here in West Tennessee is Mm. a very high-concentrated area human trafficking that takes place according to the commercial appeal back in october 2017 a man was charged in new orleans with picking up a 19 year old woman on the streets in memphis and pimping her out in various cities around the south baron lewis 51 was charged with human trafficking in new orleans court following his arrest in cleveland tennessee by u.s marshals the arrest stemmed from an august prostitution sting Lewis allegedly kept all the money she made, set her prices, found her clients, and verbally and physically abused her. I mean, this is typical. Yes, very typical. That's that's almost a subpar case there. It's it, it's so much worse than that. Well, 42 people were arrested in Memphis during a human trafficking operation led by the Tennessee Bureau yeah. of Investigation. 38 men and four women were arrested on prostitution-related charges. They include a medical professional, engineers, a law student, a tow truck driver, and construction workers. The TBI says 475 different men responded to those ads, and more than 8,779 contacts were made to those through text or phone calls. Now, that's a case. (laughs) Yeah, and I worked at the Super Bowl in Houston a year ago, and we had a great ministry there called Rescue Houston that we worked with. And one of the things that they did was they put together a fake ad on back page and my job was part of a team of other men was to they collected all the numbers that called in on this back page ad that was for a minor that for to, to solicit a minor and our job was to call those numbers and basically give them a quick spiel that was the gospel and we said something like this sir your number is going to be pulled from the Houston Police Department register if you listen to my message for the next one minute. And that's where we preached the gospel to him and gave him a sexual addiction hotline number. So we were reaching out to the consumer as well. But it was pages, Byron, pages yes. from just one ad one day. And, you know, I think you make a great point <clears throat> here, AC. We've got to be careful, too, as believers, not to demonize those perpetrators. Right. 
they need the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus. Right. It doesn't. It's not not the totality of who they are. All of them. Some of them messed up. Some of them got had a bad day, a bad moment, a sinful, wicked moment, and they got caught there. But for the grace of God, so many of us men, us Christian men especially, have got to protect our integrity and our purity and cry out for it every day, or we go that down that same possible down the same route ourselves. But yes, you're right. We don't let them off the hook, of course, but we have empathy to say, look, we want to reach you as well with the gospel. And that's a passion of ours as well. Yeah, that is so needed and so true. Yes, sir. Uh, are there ways that Christians and local churches can get involved with your efforts at EMI? Sure. And first of all, we always hear this prayer, but please pray that God will make us successful and give us favor in this area and around the world. But second, everything takes money. Our ministry is primarily that because we fund and fuel all of the operations that we do. I mean, you're buying these young girls back I <laughs> yeah. mean, and buying families out of slavery. Right. And we don't do brick or mortar work. Uh, not that I'm against that, but our work is the donor's hand to ours straight to the need because we know where the need is, and we know how to reach it quickly. So if someone wants to get involved financially, that would really help. We have to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for many of our operations each year, but each month we have to raise tens of thousands of dollars just to keep safe houses going, keep the underground railroad opportunities going, fund our our indigenous missionaries, our 4,000 orphans every month, our widows, and, and all the things we have going. So we desperately need funding. Is there one story, you hear so much in your work and what you do, but is there one thing that compels you more and motivates you to what you do? I think that's very easy because I remember our first rescue operation was in Myanmar on the border of Myanmar and China. I didn't know anything about anti-human drive. I just, I knew people were bad. I didn't know this, the depths of the depravity of man's heart. And we, we were told that there were two truck loads full of girls on the border of Myanmar and China and they were screaming out for help and the bad guys went into the cantina right there or the cafe to get drunk and so we had three about three hours to get these girls out a miracle happened I was able to raise the money needed to get the operation going we rescued 58 girls and 21 little babies in one simple operation for seven thousand five hundred dollars. 21 babies were going to be sacrificed on the mountain that hour. We got them all, the girls, 58, and the babies, 21 of them, just in the nick of time. The bad guys came out to empty trucks. I was hooked on this ministry for the rest of my life. When you said sacrifice children, are you talking about the kind of human sacrifice that we see in crazy movies? Yeah, the bad guys were going to sell the girls for sex, and they were going to sell the 21 babies to the Buddhist priest on the mountain right behind the cafe. And we got them before they could do it. Oh, my. You mentioned prayer. You mentioned, of course, finances. What is the biggest need that your ministry is currently facing? Well, most of it I can't really talk about. But we, uh, we are, we're involved in some very, very huge operations right now that's going to net many th- hundreds, even thousands, up to 30,000 sex slaves right now. And that operation, those operations are, are mega huge and take lots of money. We need a lot of prayer and we need mega, mega money. I hate to say it like that, but there's so much desperate 
need out there for this to happen quickly before the girls are shipped into the interior of the nation. We're catching them at ports. We're catching them at borders. If we get the funding, we can get them before they get shipped inland. AC, how can we be eyes and ears for possible human trafficking that could be taking place around us? There was a report a year or so ago just in Collierville, one of the upscale neighborhoods. There was a home that was being used as a sex trafficking home. How can we be sensitive to it? I've been in stores and I've seen young girls being led into stores by people I didn't believe were related to them. Just the way you could see the confusion of the young girls and you could see the guys who were leading them into the store, it just didn't feel right. Right. I didn't know what to do. Well, we have a huge uh, prevention ministry um, called Refuse. And, in fact, I'm doing an event on the 17th at South Haven Intermediate School where a young boy committed suicide recently, a friend of mine's son, because of bullying. We do anti-bullying. We do cyber prevention. And I'm holding in my hand my my iPhone, which we call a loaded gun, because we train so many families and parents that you don't know what's going on through this loaded gun that your child has. So we teach them through what's going on with through the apps that the children are downloading, how to avoid that. So a lot of what we do is prevention. We also teach self-defense to families, death-defying self-defense, that where their daughters and their the moms and daughters and even men can defend themselves against attackers. We teach anti-sexual assault, anti-abduction stuff. Well, the bottom line is is preventing it and opening the eyes of a, an entire society that everywhere you go is a potential for someone to do something to you. We're going to show you how to prevent it. So we're doing, we're active and proactive in prevention and intervention now. So at South Haven Intermediate School, this Saturday, the 17th, we're doing an entire program for about three hours on how to prevent cyber prevention, self-defense, and also anti-bullying. AC, the website is expressmissions.com. Yes, sir. Number 901-834-4920, 901-834-4920. Website again, expressmissions.com. Yeah. Those details can be found there? Yes. Now, a lot of the, the stuff we we talk to and the sensitive stuff we need to talk is not found on the, sure. the website for obvious reasons, but... They can kind of get a glimpse. But these classes and the preventive classes and the work that you do, you can contact you through that and lead a class at a church or a group. Yes. You can do that. Yeah, they can contact me through uh, email there, and I can come lead a group there. A.C. Curtis, God bless you, my dear yep. brother. Thank you for what you're doing for Thank Christ's you. kingdom in the trenches of yes, sir. some dark places, but shining the gospel of Jesus there, Amen. setting the captives free. This is yep. an exciting story. Good work. Thank you so much for what you're doing with Express Missions International. Yes, sir. Friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.